All right, you guys may be seated. Find a table. Find the table with a, a human being there. If you don't have anybody at your table, then maybe you can sit with another table or invite somebody who's sitting by themselves or something. Hey, let's just give Foss and the band a, a round of applause. Man, we're really blessed at this. We're really blessed at this church. You know, we really are. You know, I, I got to go to a, a friend's a friend's church a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, and and uh, it's just a really a blessing to have talented musicians. You know, other churches, some churches don't have enough musicians to actually have a have a band. You know, to actually, and so they have to find other ways and and whatnot. But I'm glad you guys could be here today. I hope you guys enjoyed the meal. I'm not sure who cooked today. I hope that. Give them a round of applause, too. That's a, that's a, we like to eat and we like to worship at this church. So if you're new here, then uh, welcome. You know, I hope you, I hope you like it. But um, if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Jeff. Some people call me Bones or Odell or Odie. I have many names and, and um, it's a pleasure to be speaking to you guys tonight. You know, I, I was thinking about, I was, you know, during worship, I was kind of thinking about how I got up here in the first place and and I remember I was in Mexico and uh, you know it was a time where I could really hear God very clear in my life there's nothing really but dirt out there and it's just, it's just it, where I lived at least it's just a it was a big desert and just you know and no distractions hardly no internet no anything like that and so and I could just really um, I felt for the first time kind of God's burning desire to kind of teach because I was reading some stuff by another pastor and it was it was wrong you know it was flat out wrong and I just felt this kind of thing well up inside of me that I was just really upset and almost like a a godly anger because God's people were being taught something wrong you know and and crazy enough that pastor no longer is a pastor he actually got let go by his church and he was a really famous he was a big pastor he had a big church up north in washington multiple churches multiple campuses and you know and it was just kind of crazy but uh you know i'm here because i i really believe in in god's word and i believe that it has an impact on our life and i have to warn you guys tonight we're going to be doing some excavating we're going to be doing some digging tonight and there's a lot of moving pieces in the message tonight but I think that it's really because of this book, Corinthians. You know, this book, Corinthians, is really dealing with some foundational stuff in Christianity. And if you've ever done any kind of building or any kind of construction, the foundation's everything. Because if your foundation's wrong, it doesn't matter if you have a multi-million dollar house. Uh, if your foundation is cracked or, is it, or if it's poured wrong, then I guess you're, you're pretty much... You're pretty much screwed, actually. Your whole house is, is going to be messed up. And, and I think that's what we're going to kind of explore tonight. Some of the foundational things in our lives that, that maybe we don't even know we believe. Or maybe we're taught wrong. Or maybe somebody taught us. And there's a lot of things we pick up from churches. You know, we come from different backgrounds. There's a bunch of stuff we pick up. And so uh, tonight, I hope we, you know, I hope 
I guess you're not confused because I'm going to be covering a lot of stuff, but I hope that you also can find some truths that you can grab onto and something that you can hold onto and believe. And so, so let's, uh, let's stand and I'm just going to read this passage and we do this to honor God. We're in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, I mean, verse 16. This is what Paul's writing to the church. He says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I'll read that again. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Let us pray. Father, I pray that Lord, tonight, that we would have uh, kind of a revelation of our identity, of what Paul's writing here, and that this would be something, God, this would be a huge part of the foundation that you're going to lay tonight, God, whether that's... um, And so I just pray just that you would be here, Lord. We will love your presence. We need your presence, God. And we just pray, God, just that you would open our eyes and allow us to see what it is you want us to see tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is kind of weird. He's calling us God's temple and God's spirit dwelling inside of us. And to kind of get our brains working, before I get into the heavy stuff, I, I put some crayons there and I put some paper there. I want you guys to draw yourself as a temple. You know, and you can be abstract. You can be creative. Just try to imagine yourself. What does he mean? Draw yourself as a temple, you know, maybe... You have a roof for a head or something. I don't know. Just get your, get your creative part of your mind working. I'm going to give you guys just about two minutes, so be quick. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece. Go ahead. About one minute, guys. Be quick. Doesn't have to be pretty. All right, you guys can wrap that up. I have a picture of a temple. You guys can look at the Jewish temple right there. It can help you to imagine. But uh, I got this new translation called the Passion Translation. And I just want to read verse 16 through this one because it might help you understand it. It says, Don't you realize that together you've become God's inner sanctuary? And that the Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you. I love the way that translation brings out the nuances of the word temple because temple is actually referring to, when Paul writes temple, he's actually referring to 
the most inner part, the Holy of Holies, where uh, the Ark of the Covenant would be. The place where the high priest could only enter one time a year. And he had to go through this whole process and pretty much hope that he wouldn't die. Because that's where you would see God. That's where you would where God would re- reveal himself, where you would get a revelation from God. It was one time a year. That's what, that's what Paul is writing when he says, you are the temple. And what I'm going to do is I want to I kind of go into kind of three parts of the temple that actually refer to three parts of us. And this is a teaching that is not necessarily taught on in Western culture a lot, but I think it's something that is important. And the three parts I want to talk about uh, tonight is um, our body, our body, our soul, and the spirit. It's three things. And I'm going to kind of use the temple as an analogy for that, if that's helpful for you. If it's not, then you can kind of ignore that. But the reason why I want to talk about those three things is because in Christianity, I've seen in Christianity where there's kind of two extremes that, two camps that we can easily fall into. And one of those camps is, is the is that when we equate our spirituality with emotionalism, when we're being led solely by our emotions and what feels good, you know? And and sometimes, I'm not saying that emotions are bad or that emotions shouldn't be a part of us. They're definitely a legitimate part of us. But there's some some, uh, things out there that are kind of strange. Randy was telling me about back in the day up in Vancouver or somewhere, you know, there was people that were like barking like dogs, you know, that was kind of the spiritual thing to do. And I was in a Christian church. It was just, they were, they were just barking. I guess they're barking at the devil or doing something weird, but it was, it was kind of this sensationalist kind of idea. So that's one extreme that you can kind of fall into is when your emotions become uh, your ruler and you just follow that. You just, you just do whatever feels good. Kind of the new age practice is, is very much into that. Just whatever feels good, whatever feels right, I'm going to do. And that can be very uh, misleading. And in, in fact, it probably might, may not work out that well. And the second camp, the second extreme we can fall to, into is that we equate, we equate sp- our spirituality with intellectualism. You know, there's, there's people out there that they feel that their spiritual life is really about a pursuit of knowledge, the more they know, the better off they are. And I'm not bashing understanding the Bible. It's important to understand our Bible. But intellectualism isn't a replacement for our relationship with God. And I'm going to kind of talk about how these pieces work, but I just want to read this um, in First Thessalonians. He really brings this out. It talks about the three pieces. It's now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he brings out these three parts, the spirit, soul, and body. And I think these three things are going to help us understand what it means to be God's temple and what it means that God has made a home inside of us, that he has a habitation, that he dwells inside of us. Because that can sound kind of strange, especially for a new believer and for mature believers as well who are never taught on that. So... So what we see in First Thessalonians, there's three parts. And I'm going to start with the body. I'm going to talk about the body and what that is all about. And I have a slide up there, I think. The body, we all are here and we're present in a body. And if going along with the temple analogy, that's the outer court. That's, that's the visible part. And our body 
is a part that is world conscious. You know, it's, it's what people see when they look at us. It's, it's really the, the outer shell of our soul. You know, it enables us to interact and experience the physical world around us via our five senses. And if you think about it, every day our, our physical body, it needs nourishment, water, food. It needs rest. And I, I think, I bring this up because I think sometimes in Christianity, we ignore the fact that we are not only a spiritual being, but we're a physical being. And we have limitations. And some of the things that, you know, some of the things that can affect our body are things like illness, injury, medication, food, allergies, stress. Diet's a huge one. Diet's huge. Fatigue, lack of sleep, depression, drugs, alcohol, even weather sometimes. You know, full moon, I guess. Cops say people go crazy or act weird at night. I don't know if that's true, but age is one of those. Lack of exercise, etc. These are things that have influences on our person. That's our, our body. This is what's connected with the world. Second, going a little deeper, is our soul. The inner part, the, the part that is self-conscious, the part that is a little bit harder to see. You would have to get to know somebody to, to know what is their, their personality. And that's what this is. The soul is a seat of personality. It's made up of the intellect. It's made up of the will. The part that chooses is made up of, of our emotions. It's where love, thoughts, and desires, and dreams come from. Our soul is actually very powerful. It is really the ruler of the person because this is where our will, this is where our will uh, resides. And um, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but God has given us the gift of free will. He's given us the absolute right to make our own decisions which is kind of scary, you know, but think about that. You know, even if you're a parent, your kids one day are going to make their own decisions and you're not really going to have any say in that. That's, that's kind of scary. But the truth is, is that that's how he designed us. We don't automatically turn to God's will. We're not like the angels where we just automatically do what he says. We have a choice. That's our, that's our will. And Truthfully, our will can be ruled by many different things. It can be ruled by our intellect. We can follow knowledge. We can follow our emotion. We can follow our senses, you know, our body, just letting that rule us. Or all three. So that's the part that I think, I believe, that needs to be maintained constantly. You know, because it, if you think about your, our true person in there, what we... and. And just what affects it every day, you know, movies or media or just the things, it, it's, it's an important part of us. It's, it's, it's part of us. And so that's important. And lastly, I think this is the most complicated. It's the spirit, the last part. And this is the part that has signified the holy of holies. As, God, as Paul's writing, you are temple. You are pretty much the holy of holies. God is in that part. And this is the unseen, this is the veiled part. This is often misunderstood. This is really not very taught on. I think it's being taught on more, the Holy Spirit. We taught on a lot of that in Acts because it came up so much. But this is the, also the new nature that's a part of us. So that when the Bible writes the new nature, this is what it refers to. And this is the part that communicates and interacts with God. You know, it's the part that we get to worship God. It's the part where we serve Him, where we fellowship with Him where we can experience him, where we can even understand spiritual things. You know, we're going through this series of parables, and 
the, there was people that would, when they heard the parables, they just, they just thought it was like a simple farm story. You know, they couldn't understand what Jesus was really saying because they didn't have the spirit. They weren't even necessarily open to it. And so how God's ordered this is that the spirit should really be the highest part of us. If you look at man pre-fall, the spirit really should have been the highest, should have been the ruler of all three parts of us. But the truth is, is that how God has designed it is that the spirit can't necessarily just control our body. Because our will is in the middle. Our will has to make a decision. You know, our will has to make a decision to yield itself to the Spirit. And so, I know that's a lot. Some of you guys might be lost, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to make sense in the end as Paul gets on. And so, that's, that's how God arranges it. You know, he, he arranges that. He, what he, for the life of the believer, we have to walk by the Spirit. It says, in fact, you know, those who walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's when our soul is yielded to the Spirit and God can reign over our body when, when sin is no longer our master. And I was told something kind of really, really awesome recently by um, a, a pastor. And he really believes that faith, our faith, is really a decision. You know, faith, when, you boil, when it boils down, is really a decision. And it's a decision to look to God. And sometimes our emotions are in that, and sometimes they're not. You know, on Sunday, Jeff talked about forgiveness. And I can probably say that maybe 90% of the time when you're, you know, right or ready to forgive someone, your, your emotions are probably not there. But the, the truth is, is that faith isn't always emotion. You, you can choose to forgive someone even if you don't feel like it. And that's a legitimate thing that I hope you know. But also, sometimes faith may seem reasonable and sometimes it, 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 it doesn't make any logical sense. And so that's why we have to, those things, our soul and our body, have to be yielded kind of to the spirit and for us to be in tune kind of with that part of us, you know, where God dwells, that holy of holies in us. And so what Paul is saying, that's a lot for one verse, but what he's really saying to Corinthians is that, do you not know that you're God's temple and God's spirit dwelling in you? He's saying that, why are you paying attention to your lower nature? You know, why are you, um, why you're not paying attention to God who's made a home inside of you? Because God is, he's pitched a tent inside of you and he's trying to get your attention, but you're not even looking at him. You're, you're looking, you're too distracted by your lower nature, distracted by your squabbles. And if you, if you were with us last week, talking, they were talking about um, kind of the divisions and factions that they had been making. You know, some were following Apollo, some were following Paul, some were following Peter, and they were divided, you know, that, because of their fleshly nature. You know, they, they weren't really in tune with the Spirit, and, and that's what happens. We see that happen... Even here, you know, at pastors and churches, you see churches, oh, I go to this church, this church is the grace, this church is this. And, and really, that's not coming from a place of faith. It's coming from a place of our, of our flesh. And so Paul goes on to write more about this temple idea, and we're going to expand upon it. In verse 17, he says, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And what he's referring to is when, he, when he's talking about 
how uh, God will destroy those who destroy his temple. Uh, he's referring to the unlawful, the unskilled builders who are laying a foundation other than Christ. I believe, if you are here last week, Jeremy talked about it. We talked about the different things that um, they, they were trying to lay. You know, we, rubies or straw or wood. I don't know if you remember that last week. We spoke about that. But he's, that's what he's referring to. People that are laying or getting you to believe something that really isn't the truth. They're laying something other than faith in Christ. You know, they could be trying to say, well, you need to also believe this, or you need to do this. You need to get circumcised, or you need to... There's all these things added onto faith in Christ. And so that's what he's speaking about. God is going to do away with those false teachers. I spoke about that pastor earlier. God did away with them. He removed his, his anointing from that guy because he wasn't teaching the truth. You know, which is scary. And he says this, if, um, if you have your Bibles in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, he's, this is what he talks about. He says, according to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. And I hope you guys tonight know that our foundation, everything rests and uh, everything rests upon our faith and the cross of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, everything. That's, that's everything in, in our faith. And if you look at this, this passage, he, he's calling these Corinthians holy. He, he's saying that you are the dwelling place of God. And that's because, not of anything they have done, it's all because of what Christ has done for them. There's nothing else. You, know, you can't add anything to that. You can't take that away. And I want to tell you guys something right now. If you guys don't know this, but God relates to you and he sees you based on what Christ has done. He doesn't see you and relate to you based on your performance, based on what you did last night, what you did today, what you said before you came to church. He relates to you based on what he's done. And that might not make sense to you guys, but God has, the reason why God can inhabit us is because of what Christ has done. Because if you know anything about the Old Testament, if, if a high priest walked into the Holy of Holies and was unclean, he would die instantly. Because nobody could see God who had sin in their life, who had sin, who was, who was unclean. It was impossible. And so God is, is the only reason why he can dwell in us is because he's made us holy. And I don't know if you guys really realize that. It's kind of strange. But what holy means, it literally means separation unto God and the state of that. And I, I want to talk about that because I think in the Christian church today, I think we let sin define who we are more than what Christ crossed says we are. Think about that. You know, there's a, there's a, we let sin define who we are. We let our actions define who we are instead of believing, instead of looking to God and who he says we are. Because like I was saying earlier, Christ is relating to you because of what Jesus has done. Our faith in Jesus cleanses us. And we're kind of 
I bring this up is because we were kind of talking about this in our staff meeting. I think this kind of brought up some foundational things. And as we're talking about, uh, we, I had this question is, are we, are we sinners saved by grace or are we saints who can sin? And we were kind of, we were divided on that topic. And I think we would, if I were to poll you guys tonight, there would be some here, maybe a lot of you guys, that would probably say, I'm, I'm a saint, or, or I'm, a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, I think the only person who thinks they're a saint is Foss, you know. <laughs> it's true, you know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm razzing him, buddy, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was actually the only thing Foss and I agreed on in a long time. It was funny. We were like, we're, we're, like, we're both saints, you know, and... It was funny, you know, I was like, I'm like, wow, we agree on something, but, you know, but the, the thing is, is that if our faith is a decision to look to God, if it's our decision to look to God, then what are we seeing? You know, what, what are we hearing him say? Who are we? You know, but if we're, if we're, looking towards our lower nature, if we're looking towards the performance, if we're looking towards our intellect or, or how we feel, then I can see why people would feel that, oh, I'm just, a, I'm just a no good sinner. I can't do anything good. I can see why people would say that. And so I think that's important. That one of the foundations, one of the foundations is, is who we believe God to be. You know, is he is he a good father or is he distant? Is he, is he, does he care about me or does he not? Am, am I, you know, that's one of the things. But also another foundational element is who do I believe I am now? Who does God say I am? That's, that's very important because you're going to be what you believe you are. Because if God has given us a choice... If he's, if he's giving us a, a, a choice, then we're really going to be who we believe we're going to be. And I'll, I'll kind of go into that a little bit later, but I want you to think about that. You know, who do I believe I am? And so we, we see in the text that Paul is calling these Corinthians, you're holy, uh, you're the temple of God, even though earlier he pretty much says, you know, you, you guys are, I can't even address you guys as spiritual, you guys are of the flesh because you guys are making so many divisions yet he still is calling them holy still saying that god has uh, made a temple inside of you and so he's still saying that And, and my question is if god has done all that if he's made us holy if he has made a home inside of us then why do we gotta why do we gotta live a righteous life why do we gotta be holy why would it why would it matter if, you know, if God already sees me as holy, if he already sees me as righteous, then why do I actually got to go out and practice that? And I was thinking about that. It, it, it really kind of messed with me for a while. I was like, well, why, why am I trying to do good or why am I doing this? And uh, I found the answer. It's in Hebrews twelve fourteen, And I think this is the key. It says, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with everyone in holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. And I'll explain that with a story because uh, there was a man who was driving and he sees 
flashing lights behind him. And he sees that it's a cop. And he's like, oh, shoot. Like, well, I guess I'll pull over. I didn't really do anything wrong. And so he pulls over. And to his surprise, a cop pulls behind him, right? And gets out of the door and knocks on his window. And the guy rolls down his window. And, and he asks, officer, I, I, I didn't break any law. I didn't do anything wrong. Like, why did you, why did you pull me over? And he's like, well, you're right. Yeah, you didn't, you weren't speeding. You, you know, you didn't really break any sort of law. But I noticed that when you pass that lady, you're, you're shaking your fist at her. And, and when you hit that red light, you started banging on your steering wheel and started screaming. And, and just the way that you were acting was kind of funny. And then I noticed something. I, I read one of your, your bumper sticker. It says, Jesus loves you. And then I thought to myself, that car, that car must be stolen. So I pulled you over. The truth of the story is, is that if that's, if God's dwelling place is hidden in our heart, if it's a place unseen, then nobody's going to see it unless, unless that is revealed in our character. If it's revealed in the way we live our lives, it's the way revealed in the way that we love people. And it's kind of this crazy idea because, you know, some, for some people who went to Jerusalem and saw, uh, you know, the remnant of a temple wall, people would have to go to temple, right? They would offer their animals and sacrifice. And I was thinking, to my, I was thinking, God, would that such a great way? You know, I could go to people on the street and say, hey, you want to get to know my God? You know, we'll go to Israel and we'll worship our, our God at the temple there. We'll, we'll do all the sacrifices. And that's, you know, that would be a wonderful way to introduce people to God. But God has decided that he's not going to use a brick-and-mortar building to represent who he is. He, he decided that he doesn't want to do that. He, actually, he decided that he was going to use us. And for some, that might be kind of scary because, you, you know, maybe, maybe some people are like a police officer, and maybe they just don't see it. Maybe they see an angry person. Maybe they see a person that's not loving and to the degree that we to the degree that we uh show our love to the degree that we are holy is the degree that people are going to see jesus in our lives and that's how it works and that's to me is is shocking as as i was studying that i was like i can't believe that why would you trust me with all that why would you trust me of revealing your son but if you think about it jesus came to reveal the father and now, and after he left, he has chosen us to reveal Jesus. That's crazy. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scary thing that he would entrust us to show people who he is. But it's also a great thing because it empowers us to, it empowers us and gives us a reason to live righteously. It's a reason for us to go out and try to love somebody. And so we're going to continue in verse 18. I know we're Going a little bit late. Let's try to speed this up. But he says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone, uh, if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So, not let, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. 
the truth is, is that the people of this world, they don't have the spirit, nor necessarily would they, would they receive it because they wouldn't want to be yielded to the spirit. Instead, sometimes, like I was saying earlier, their intellect is their master, it's their ruler. And I'm not saying that, you know, modern medicine, technology, philosophy, anything like that is necessarily bad. I don't think Paul's writing that. But what he's saying is that when, when man's wisdom is focused on self, when it's focused on exalting ourselves, when it's focused on uh, our accomplishments rather than Christ's glory, then really it's futile. Because our intellect, our soul, must be yielded to the Spirit. You know, if you think about it, I was, I was thinking the other day, I was looking at these jets that we're making. They're like $150 million, and I kind of came to this realization well, we're spending $150 million on jets. And the countries over there are spending probably that much money too. And, you know, all the, all the military intelligence and all the, the brains are going into weapons so that we could wipe each other off the, off, the, off the planet. If you think about that, it's kind of crazy. And even in medicine too, it's like they're looking for, you know, it's good that they're looking for cures to cure cancer. But there's also stuff that it's like, well, we don't want to die. We want to live forever. And so that's what our research is about is not growing old not dying and so it, it's it kind of gets out of whack our intellect when it's not yielded and submitted to god it becomes about ourselves. and so wrapping up with the last verses and i'll let you guys go i know you guys are it's probably a huge mental exercise for you guys but this is good because you got to go deep you got to go deep and really see what it is you're building upon because your whole house, everything can be shifted. It can, it can be out of whack because your foundation wasn't laid properly or somebody mislaid a foundation that, that, that should have been laid in, in Christ. And so he, he finishes in, in 22, he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the word of life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ in God. And so if you remember, these Corinthians are squabbling over fleshly people, you know, the Paul Club, the Apollos Club, the Cephas Club. You know, they were just saying, oh, this is my teacher. This is, I'm being discipled by this guy. This is my church. You know, they're, they're just so fleshly. And Paul is saying something that really stands out to me. He's saying, all are yours. Everything is yours. And the reason why he's saying that is because it's what I've been saying earlier is that they have the Holy Spirit. They have the greatest thing already inside of them. And yet, they don't realize that. And I love Graham Cook's definition of grace because this is what he says about grace. He says, grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to become what he sees when he looks at you. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables you to become what he sees when he looks at you. And I love that first part because... Only if we knew God's, how strong God's presence is inside of us. If we knew how strong his help was inside of us. I think we would live, we would all live differently. I would live differently. You would live differently. But the second part I love also because God's presence is actually trying to enable us to see ourselves the way that he sees us. And I think that's where we, we get out of whack. Is sometimes when we're looking more towards our emotions or how we feel or our intellect or our experiences on how we feel about ourselves, rather than how God sees us. 
And that's why I think, you know, there's some people here that you just believe that you're a sinner. You're just a poor sinner, and you're always going to be a poor sinner. And there's some people here that, that feel empowered, and they believe, you know, I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. You know, I have an inheritance. And you're going to live like that as well. And just kind of concluding tonight, just concluding tonight, I, I just want you guys to think about that for a second. You know, who do I think I am? Who am I? Am I the person that God has set apart? Am I the person that God has made holy? The, the person that have been, has been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, whom, whom he has actually chosen to dwell? Or am I the person that feels like I'm a, a slave to my lower nature? You know, maybe just a, a slave to just what the thoughts I have about myself or what other people say or, or the, what I feel. And I think the truth is, the truth is, I kind of, what really shocked me, and I'll just share with this with you guys, is that, you know, I, this whole time I'm kind of trying to figure out which one's right. You know, are we saints? Are we just sinners? And you guys want to know the truth? The truth is, is that you are whatever you believe you are. Because God has given us a will. That's the truth. That's, it's, that's really the truth. You know, if, you know, if we, if we have faith, And we can make that decision to look to God and believe all that he says who we are. We're going to live differently. And I'm not saying we're going to live perfectly. I'm not saying that it's not going to take practice. But we're going to live differently. Just think about that. Amen? All right. Let's just pray. Let's just pray tonight. Lord God, I just pray, Lord... God, that your people would know your love, first of all, God. Would know, would know just how much, just how much and who, who you see that we are. Because I know you're doing something in this church, Father. I know that you're moving in this church. But God, I also know that we can never be something that, we can never be what you want us to believe, be if we're believing in something less than what you've said. And so tonight, I know it was hard and difficult, but Lord, I just pray that people would receive just a seed or a nugget of wisdom, Lord, that they can, that they can kind of chew on, that they can meditate on, and even come before you and ask you, Lord, who am I? Lord, who do you say I am? And so we just, we just thank you, Lord, and we just bless your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.